0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking veteran wide receiver values and tight end projections on Roto Viz Radio.
2: Roto Viz!
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Have a fun episode coming up here. We're going to talk some more projections. We're going to talk veteran wide receivers, tight ends. Curtis, my shirt is currently covered in paint, as you can probably see. Fortunately, the listeners uh, cannot see it. But how are you doing?
3: Man, but what the listeners can see is that big old C insignia on the left breast, man. It's the champion. (laughs) I I think I love to see the champion gear, man. Champion is like OG athletic gear. Um, I love uh, anytime I see people repping it. Uh, Actually, a couple of years ago, I did a run of champion hoodies uh, for the Dynasty Command Center subscribers back in the heyday of the Slack. Uh, just, just really like it, man. So yeah, you're staying with paint, but you still showed up and you're still going to drop some fire on the pod tonight. All right. On
1: that note, let's get right into a price check on Robert Woods. I believe the kids call him Bobby trees. He turned 29 or he turned 29 years old in April. He's played eight seasons, a little bit of context here on Robert Woods. In the last three seasons, he has gone under 10 points in 30% of games. Uh, actually, let me let me zoom in on that here. Get an old Curtis. I'm starting to have trouble, uh, you know, seeing things without zooming in. It's a bad sign for me. Yep, 30% when of games. You go
3: back to my uh, laser eye surgery takes from a couple episodes ago.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, you
3: two could see like a falcon tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 19% of his games, he's gone between 11 and 15 points. 26% of the time, 16 to 20, um, over 21 points, just 11% of the time. But last year was a wide receiver one of the time. If we start looking forward, he comes out as wide receiver 19 in my subjective projections this year. Of course, he is playing with a talented wide receiver in Cooper Cup, which limits some of his ability to land very high in my projections. Now, one thing that might be a little bit worrisome is the range of outcomes tool has Robert Woods coming in at wide receiver 31. That is looking at where a player is in his career, uh, as well as his age to a certain extent. And it might be picking up on some of his comps, reaching a point where we start to see them descend from a dynasty lens right now. And just for the redraft folks out there, I actually still feel pretty solid about Robert Woods and redraft this year. I don't think you need to worry, but from that dynasty lens, Curtis, Uh, How are you feeling about Robert Woods and his value?
3: Well, Dave, I just dropped out for like the last two minutes of you talking. So um, from a dynasty perspective, um, I can still riff on uh, Robert Woods here. Um, I I presume you went on talking about um, the impressive uh, production that he's continued to put up, um, but also, you know, trying to understand the context of of Woods in the Rams offense, or were you taking a different layer?
1: Well, no. So I basically just um, recounted uh, what he's done over the last couple of seasons, talked about how he still projects fairly well in my projections, but the range of outcomes tool has him starting to slip, which sometimes can be indicative of the tool realizing that players at this point in that player's career around their age, they might start to take a little bit of a decline.
3: Yeah. Okay. So from a range of outcomes perspective, one thing I was noticing uh about Woods and Cup, uh, Cooper Cup actually, because I I did a big Cooper Cup piece uh last week on the site. And um I think that they're both probably, you know, a little understated. Um one thing the range of outcomes tool looks at is, you know, all of the, you know, all of the historical seasons that look like, you know, some of the seasons that just happened and, you know, try to give us a, a shot of what like the 50 closest projections, you know, for a player. And, you know, but one of the big inputs is the most recent season from each player. Yep. And, you know, neither one of them had, you know, their best season in the last two or three uh, last year. And so, you know, I think that's also material here. Um, and we don't, I, I think, you know, in our conversations with Danny Kelly, where we went in, you know, deep on the Rams offense and also just, you know, the way that I think both of you are looking at what Matthew Stafford will mean in that situation. I think some of the 2020 production uh, for both of these receivers and, and Woods would obviously be included in that, is a little bit tainted by, you know, Jared Goff's you know, fall into, you know, I guess sub-mediocre um, uh, in, in his performance. And so, you know, I think we have to, I guess, you know, we, we can understand that the app has a wider range for him, and that makes sense, especially were Goff to continue to be the quarterback. But the app does not know that Matthew Stafford is the new quarterback. Um, and it doesn't know um, anything about, you know, what Stafford will look like with either of these receivers. So I think, you know, Robert Woods is probably a pretty safe bet to outperform, you know, ADP. I think it'll be the same problem that we've always had a little bit with the Rams offenses. Kind of have to pick your weeks. Like it's always really frustrating in DFS. Is it a Woods week or is it a cup week? Um, you know, and then back in the day, was it a girly week or was it a passing offense week? <laughs> um, you know, I, I still think those uh, conversations could still, you know, potentially need to occur but, but I'm, I'm where I'm at here is, you know, Cooper cup is more than a year younger uh, than Robert Woods, you know, at this point. And he signed through 2025. Um, and I actually went in really deep Dave on uh, Matthew Stafford's um, passing distribution to different parts of the field. And then also looked at where Sean McVay has typically um, had his quarterbacks target uh, Cooper cup and Robert Woods on the field. You can act, this is an underutilized uh portion of the NFL stat Explorer actually. Um, And there's just some beautiful, um, some beautiful uh, heat maps um, that look at targets less than five yards from the line of scrimmage um, from five to 14. So there's intermediate routes and then 15 and deeper. And you can see, you know, where players have been most productive. And then when I look at cup and woods versus what Stafford did with like, let's say golden Tate um, who is also a move receiver that got, you know, heavy slot utilization I mean, Golden Tate had four top 17 wide receiver seasons with Matthew Stafford in Detroit. And some of that overlaid with Calvin Johnson's time there. And Cooper Cup and Golden Tate's usage, uh, their pass location, target location usage is almost identical. Like, it's really interesting how identical it is. So, you know, how much of that was Matthew Stafford using a player just where he's effective versus, you know, the, the offensive scheme? I think that's what we'll have to kind of see how, things play out. Will McVay force has, has cup and uh woods usage been determined by McVeigh's offensive design or by Goss willingness to target them in certain areas because of how he sees the field. That will be, you know, what we have to see play out. But um, the data that, I, that I'm that i looking at and uh, NFL statics board has me a little bit more excited about Cooper cup, but they're both players that I have a lot of like my, my most common, um, stacks in my tournaments are Matthew Stafford with one of the two Rams wide receivers. And when I, when I do three man best ball drafts, I actually stack both wide receivers with Matthew Stafford, like super often. Um, so I, I would say I'm probably rosier than the range of outcomes app on Robert Woods because of all the context. Um, but that doesn't mean that the information in the app isn't useful.
1: Right. So yeah, you come out, um, in, very much the same region that I do, which is I think that there's different circumstances this year. It makes it hard to go back and look at the past. Of course, both receivers have done good in the past. And if anything, we should see some improvement. So I feel pretty good about both of these guys. And then from a dynasty lens, taking Robert Woods forward, I still think that I feel pretty decent about another year or two of solid production out of Robert Woods. So we spent a fair amount of time, On Woods and the Rams, unless you had any other comments, we will move along. Uh, No, I don't. All right. So my tight end projections, I have a couple Mm. of questions for you here. Uh, Mm. Or you can just start talking about them. But I want to know what's more surprising to you, George Kittle as the number one tight end or Kyle Pitts as the number 10 tight end?
3: Oh, Kittle at one for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got, let's see, you've got 85 targets for Pitts in here, which is, I mean, that's a lot for that's a lot for a rookie tight end. Yep. Even, you know, I, I know the big argument on Pitts is well, is he even really a tight end? And is he maybe the you know, one of the best tight end prospects of all time? You know, that's that matters, but like you didn't give him 58 targets, you gave him 85 targets. Um, and you know, I, I think that the efficiency and the touchdown numbers, you know, those are the things that people would maybe go in and, and try to debate there a little bit. But Kittle at one, man, 163 targets in a 17-game season. I mean, absolute league winner uh, when you think of him going at tight end three and even tight end four. I mean, the the amount of momentum building around TJ Hawkinson uh, in fantasy circles over the last, like, 30 days, is honestly is, is kind of borderline scary. Like he's gone, he's gone from the guy that everyone liked the most out of the non-top three to kind of, I mean, breezing by Mark Andrews and now pushing into, well, is it really a big four? And I don't think he's done anything to warrant that type of consideration. So um Kittle finishing number one overall with everything that's been going on around those elite three is really exciting. I mean, you've got him, he would clearly be setting a new record in receiving yards, you no know, granted, it's in a 17 game season. So, um, you know, we have to take that with a grain of salt, but almost 1600 receiving yards, 117 receptions. So, um, you know, clearly whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, uh, I mean, you've got the 49ers offense really just, you know, going through Kittle um, and Ayuk uh, and Debo, you know, potentially, you know, just picking up their little, you know, scraps on the fringes there. Um, and, and you haven't, it's not like you, you, it's not like Kelsey came out low. is yeah. the thing. Like, it's not like George Kittle world beater and everyone else disappoints. I mean, Travis Kelsey's got almost 1400 receiving yards in this model and Darren Waller has over 1100. So it's really, truly just that George Kittle stays healthy and scorches the earth. Um, and it's not that that's a surprise. Um, It's a surprise that he's that much better, even when Kelsey and Waller also smash uh, in in this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, what what are your comments and, you know, what did your exercise, you know, your deep dive on the 49ers offense tell you um, and how to lead to this projection?
1: Yeah. So one of the first things I, I think that occurred to me when I went back and I looked at these is. We have seen Travis Kelsey be awesome for a very long time. Uh, We're at the point where I think that we start to see a guy like Kittle that has, I think, is still ascending kind of surpass him. Now, one of the things that you have to look at when you look at a player like George Kittle is as far as tight ends go, he's absolutely been smashing in yards per reception. I mean, going back to 2018. The first season where we truly saw him get fully involved for San Francisco, the man put up more than 15.6 yards per reception, Followed up the next season at 12.4, and last year was around 13.2. So yes, I have him projected being pretty efficient uh, this year at 13.5 receiving yards uh, per reception. That that maybe that's a little much, but this is a player that I still think very reasonably controls 28% of targets because he is undeniably, in my opinion, the best player in this offense, the one that they need to run things through. And I think also, if you look back at other seasons, uh, you know, it's very possible that some of those seasons he had, uh, in particular, um, Last year, I think if he played the whole season, you probably would have seen him continuing to push for the tight end one spot. Uh, I, I'll also say I only have him in a very modest receiving touchdown percentage of four percent, which puts him at a you know a total of just six receiving touchdowns. Travis Kelsey is at nine. What it comes down to is he gets a little bit more. Uh, he gets about six more receptions, but just that added yardage on those numbers starts to make a difference. Uh, so I could be a little overstated there, but this is one of those that, um, you know, you have the player who I think is by and large, the best player in their offense. Travis Kelsey's awesome, but you still have Tyreek Hill, other talented players there. Um, so a lot of that, just when I work through the 49ers, you, you land, as I said, Kittle with a very high percentage, and even his historical efficiency is just enough to make him a very attractive player um, at the tight end position.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Well, I love that you're putting your money where your mouth is too. And not that there's actually money riding on this, on this game. Um, but we talked about earlier this week, uh, you selecting George Kittle at tight end two in the Scott fishbowl, which is also tight end premium. Yep. Um, uh, you took him over Darren Waller. Um, yep. And that seems to be, you know, uh, 90% of the time, what what has been happening in the drafts that I've been in is that, you know, Waller is is maybe even at times a half, half a round earlier than Kittle, sometimes even a full round uh feels like George Kittle, like in the half PPR contests and, you know, some of those popular best ball contests, uh, Kittle's, you know, like a third round pick in, in Waller's like a mid second. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting, man. If you're, if you're in a tight end premium league um, and, you, and you're and you agreeing with uh, if you're, if you're agreeing with Dave's look at the 49ers offense, um, then you need to maybe adjust your outlook for uh, George Kittle this year, because this is, this is league winner stuff in uh, in tight end premium. We're talking three hundred and seventy tight end premium points, uh, and in PPR, we're talking between nineteen and twenty points per game. Um, when, when you adjust for a seventeen game season, I mean, this is just truly like historically great season uh, that our projection tools are are uh, mapping out for George Kittle. So um, again. You got to take a look at the entire projection set. It's really exciting. I think another notable name here um, that I hinted at was TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson comes, um, what, 97 points behind George Kittle and tight (laughs) end premium, about 72 points behind him. And, you know, and I think, and, and this is even a great projection for him in terms of like him becoming you know, the engine of the Detroit Lions offense, is 129 targets. But it just shows you the difference in the gap of, of, of where, uh, you know, a bad offense versus a good offense, you know, potentially could be. Um, and then you also see, you know, guys like uh, Mark Andrews, um, a full like half tier even below where Hawkinson is. Um, Jared Cook is a player we've both mentioned a couple times as a, a favorite sleeper. Uh, 94 targets, 763 receiving yards for Cook uh, would be a screaming value if this comes uh, into play here. And then, you know, Pitts at at tight end 10 is interesting, but, you know, some of the other trendy, you know, younger wide receivers that a lot of people like to think could make, you know, that year three leap uh, are Noah Fant
1: and Mike Gesicki. Trendy young tight ends. Yeah, trendy young tight ends. What did I say? You said wide receivers. So just to make sure we don't Um, have any confusion.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know why I said wide receivers, trendy young tight ends. Because the numbers these like guys Gisicki. are putting
1: up look like wide receiver numbers.
3: Yeah, well, not Fan and Gasicki necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the other guys, uh, <laughs> Fan, even with a hundred targets, um, it's an inefficient hundred targets uh, with a low touchdown output. And Gasicki, um, only 85 targets. So, you know, neither one of these guys really taking that um leap. Um, The one that I think I'm a little bit scared about Um, maybe spend a minute on that is Irv Smith. Yep. Um, and this comes down to how much do you buy into coach speak? Because, um, Mike Zimmer, uh, man, like I'm, this was like, this was just a cold shower on Irv Smith. This quote, man, I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I actually buried this quote in one of my dynasty trade articles, uh, (laughs) Uh, last week and because uh, I, I suggested maybe packaging Irv Smith in a pick for you know this player that I was writing up at the time. Yep. This is straight from Mike Zimmer. Honestly, I don't... So he, he's talking about Irv Smith's role in the context of Kyle Rudolph being gone from the offense. Honestly, I don't think it's a bigger role for him whatsoever, Mike Zimmer said. I think it's a bigger role for Tyler Conklin. He's emerged as a guy that's moving upward, and with those two guys, we have a lot of weapons there. Irv has always been able to do what he's been able to do, whether Kyle was here or not. We're excited about these two young tight ends that we have. So that doesn't sound like anything like that. They even want to change the offense. It kind of sounds like Conklin maybe is you know going to walk into the Kyle Rudolph role and or Smith's going to keep the same role. Um, you know, and you know, how much do we put into the coach speak? I think it's, you know, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a tough thing. And you got Zimmer, who's obviously not running the offense, you know, he controls the defense. So how much should we believe this? You've got just 81 targets on Irv Smith, but it's a pretty efficient and explosive 81 targets. And he's coming in at tight end seven. Um, and so that is, that's, what's interesting is if you give him the efficiency, he doesn't have to break the bank on the volume. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you have any notes on the Vikings handy um, or notes on other players, like, you know, did some of this coming out on Thielen's expense, you know that type of thing. I'm really interested on Smith.
1: Yeah. Well, so a lot of this comes down to the, the idea that I have a lot of the target share for Minnesota concentrated in four players. So I have Justin Jefferson at 28% of targets, very reasonable. Adam Thielen at 24. Uh, so there starts to be a little bit of a separation between them. Then you have... Dalvin Cook at 12%. But if you look at the other receivers, do we expect that, uh, you know, Chad Beebe or Ola B. Johnson is going to be a big <laughs> fixture in this offense, right? I don't. Um, I think that Irv Smith is a talented player. We have a team that has shown uh, historically that it gets a tight end involved. I am not looking at Tyler Conk- Conklin as a player that comes in and all of a sudden takes a large amount of volume. So I land with... Irv Smith around 14% of targets. Maybe I'm wrong. And that number goes down to 12 or 11%. I still feel good about his ability to be explosive. I have him at 10% of his, um, uh, a, uh, Receiving touchdown percentage of 10%, I should say, which comes out to six receiving touchdowns. That feels completely normal. Uh, That feels acceptable to me, right? Like, you know, these these are not numbers that for a tight end that could be, you know, a pretty big fixture in his offense feel unreasonable. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I could easily be wrong. But like you said at the end of last episode... We don't need to focus so much on the exact line that I have for Irv Smith. What this is telling us is that if people are letting Irv Smith fall down far in drafts, you have a guy that actually has a pretty decent shot of being a tight end one. The other reason that I like it too is there has to be changing of the guards you know, at certain points at positions. And if you look at the young tight ends, there's been a lot of talk about these other players, but remember Irv Smith coming out of school looked like a very talented player. So, you know, this is one that, you know, maybe makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but unless I am completely off base, assuming that, uh, you know, he becomes a prominent part of the offense, then I think I feel pretty good about it.
3: Yeah, it would just be I mean, really it would just be toggling, you know, through adjusting maybe the catch percentage is really the only way to change it. I, I think after hearing you talk about that and where he would sit within the offense, the target percentage sounds super reasonable, even in the event that the team still plays some 12 personnel and allows Tyler Conklin to get in on, you know, some of those plays and packages that were, you know, reserved for Kyle Rudolph uh in, in seasons past. So uh, yeah, I think that was useful to talk through.
1: So actually, um, let's do something live here. I'm going to drop the catch percentage okay. by three percent. I'm going to drop the yards. You've per got him rate. at like
3: seventy five percent right now, right? Yeah, I do. You, so. you had him sixty one receptions on eighty one targets. Yeah.
1: Yep. Now uh, his rookie season was at a seventy seven percent rate. Went down to about seventy one last year. Kirk Cousins normally can support his tight ends with a decent rate. I'm going to drop down now by point three on his receiving yards, and I'm even going to take him down. Um, one touchdown, which if I did my math correctly, oops, put in the wrong number there. Great radio. Just me typing, but I think it will be interesting to let everybody know how this affects him. Now, if I go back I mean, and I look at tight ends, um, we see him I'm, go let down. Guess. Let me make a guess. Yep.
3: I'm going to say he, he comes in at tight end 11 now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he'd come in right between Pitts and Gasicki. Yep. Um is where you'd fall to because what we're doing here is illustrating a tier. Yep. Um and so uh we would have Kittle, Kelsey um at the top, and then actually there's a gap after those two. Um and then you have Waller and Hawkinson in tier two. Um Andrews is in a, in tier three by himself, and then you get a big fat tier from tight end six down through tight end eleven. Um, is what happens. And so Irv Smith right now sitting more towards the top of that with 170 PPR, you know, he drops down, you know, to the ones at the, probably a 160 number, um, after the tweaks that Dave made and and that's even, you know, subtracting, you know, material efficiency, um, from, from his role. So that's super useful, Dave. And I, I think it goes, it goes back and supports the comment of, you know, where does he show up in the list? Let's not worry, uh, quite as much about, you know, the actual output.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like when I'm going through these, um, there's no reason I've learned at this point to try to nail down everything to the decimal point, because once the season starts, there's going to be so much that I'm wrong about and so many things that I could not have accounted for before season that I'm not obsessing over the small details. I'm trying to use a very detailed process to help us better approximate a real high level Approach where we're looking at, you know, things that feel reasonable. And this isn't the end all and be all in anything we do at Rotovis. It's just one input into our broader process to help us check ourselves to maybe realize there's some guys we're way too low on or there's some guys we're high on, but they need a really, really good and very fortunate season for those to hit. So just keep that in mind as, as you're listening to us talk about these numbers and you might be viewing them on the site.
3: And so the specific applicability on Irv Smith here, I didn't know this was going to be an Irv Smith episode, um, but <laughs> you never know what you're going to get into uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. when you're talking about projections. Um, what, it, what it tells us is that if you do not want to spend a round seven through 11 pick, uh, actually, and if you include pits in this, uh, so if you include pits in this um, comment with where he's landing here in this uh, tier three, tier four, actually for tight ends, um, he's being super overdrafted. Um, and then when you take a look at all the other guys, they're going kind of between round seven and 11, but you can actually wait past that. Take Irv Smith and Jared Cook as a combo and end up with two tight end ones based off of these projections at much cheaper pricing than you would pay for Tyler Higbee, Noah Fant, Mike Gesicki, Robert Tunyon, um, and you know the likes of those guys. So it really... I I think what it's telling us is that Irv Smith, Jared Cook, good values at ADP um, versus the rest of the guys that they're kind of jammed in there with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that takes us to the end of this episode. As Curtis mentioned last week, if you want to call in and let me know how wrong I am or how bad these projections are, you can absolutely do that. And as a bonus, you will actually be entered. To win a t-shirt so the number is 978-615-9214 978-615-9214 you can also send us an email at rotovizffshow at gmail.com let us know if there's topics you want us to talk about if there's questions that you have anything that you've been looking forward to us breaking down on the show and we will do our best to get to that and uh, we will see you on friday